Have you been told that you care too much? Do you have a special interest that you could talk about for hours? I'm Alex. And I'm David. Join us and hear why we think there's no such thing as caring too much. Hi, David. It's uh, It's been a little while since we have been on the on the podcast grind together, huh? Since we've been uh, on the airwaves, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're listening to this, you can probably tell that we over here at Caring Too Much are back, uh, and that's very exciting. Or you're having a very elaborate dream where you have imagined a future where we came back to podcasting because you missed us so, so much. But, but it's, it's not it's that. <laughs> the, the, the dream thing would, uh, I don't know about you, it would mess with my sense of like internal personhood and reality a little bit if we were in someone else's dream. You know, that's actually a great uh, foreshadowing for a future topic that I would love to dive into because I've been having an experience with some overly realistic dreams over the last couple months. But that is not what we're <laughs> here to talk about today now, is it? No, uh, no, it is not. So, you know, you know that thing that happens <clears throat> when you're on the internet, right? And you see like the worst take you've ever encountered in your whole life. It's like this person is living in a completely different universe from you. And you're just like, how could that happen? Like, how could someone not only think that, but then write it down and post it in a public forum? Like, like why would that chain of events ever occur and and how and so, how have they gone through each of those steps that you just mentioned without a single uh self-reflective thought um and, yeah it's uh, definitely and, a phenomenon yeah. yeah and then why on top of all that like why does that show up on your feed right whatever part of the internet you're looking at why is that there so See, that's the most that's that's been the most interesting thing about, like, I mean, both of us, similar age, like, we grew up with the internet, like, we grew up at the same time as the internet was growing up. And so it's like, there's been so many different levels, like, it used to be that every time you saw something stupid on your timeline, it was because you knew someone who was, like, you knew that person in real life. So, like, it was, I feel like it was at least, like, more... So, something about it felt very different because you were like, oh yeah, I know that person. Of course they said that. And like, it's maybe true. it's cause you could, you, it was easier to put yourself in their mindset because you are more familiar with them. But yeah, it just feels like people's opinions and thoughts online have just gone off the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really does. Uh, and so today, we are going to be talking about what, uh, what we can conveniently term the discourse, right? Like this whole mess of things that people say on the internet. Um, and what's up with that? Yeah, and I think sort of tongue-in-cheek, like I think when people think about these sort of things, they think about podcasts and how everyone who you least want to hear an opinion from seems to have a podcast so we kind of thought that it would be a little a nice meta sort of topic to return back after our year-ish off 
to talk about talking, essentially, um, and dive a little bit more into the things that have changed over the years, uh, especially, I think, with, I, I, at least, I mean, we'll see where what we decide by the end of this episode, but I certainly think going into it that the internet has radically shifted the way that humans are talking about things or failing to talk about things. Yeah, so so for those of you who aren't like terminally online the way that some of us are, um, you might have like like an abstract idea by now what we mean, but just to just to like ground you in the depth of things people say on the internet, in the depth of the discourse, we wanted to offer up like a couple examples of just like like this is how bad it gets. Um, and I, I kind of want to kick off here with, there, there was a post that I scrolled past recently, um, responding to a graphic that had been making the rounds about like a proposed high-speed rail loop covering the, the sort of like northeastern United States slash southeastern Canada highly populated area. Uh, so a lot of people were like, whoa, this is so great. We love trains. Um, but the, the particular person I want to talk about showed up on this post and was like, how dare you contemplate a major construction project on unclaimed, not unclaimed, not at all, uh, on unceded indigenous lands? And did you know that concrete creates tons of carbon emissions? And you know how many trees you're gonna have to cut down to like get rail through all of there. Uh, and then the trains themselves, you know, emissions, they take power, whatever. So like basically all of you are terrible people for thinking that uh, a high-speed rail network in this highly densely populated area is a good thing. Um, and yes, I know that the way people currently get between these cities is they fly or they drive. And yeah, those are both worse than taking the train. So my solution, the like big brain, ultimate final, final solve for all of this is I think we as a, as a society should stop traveling. The, the, and that, that's the thing that's so interesting is that so many of these situations, they don't know what they're saying, right? Because like that person obviously did not comment that thinking oh, I'm basically saying that travel should not be allowed because it's problematic. But, like, that's what that's exactly what they were saying. But because they are saying different words, they think that they've made a good point. And always to me that it, it is a fascinating experience. One of my one of my favorites was and unfortunately, I couldn't find the post because I don't know, it probably, it could have even been more than a decade ago. But I remember on Tumblr, there was this person who, like, I would say ran, like, a fairly unserious blog, um, but obviously had a life outside of this Tumblr blog. And their life happened to be a, I can't remember if they had a master's or a PhD, but something higher education, they were a researcher on some topic, and at one point they shared something or they commented on something in relation to their field. 
and they just had a bunch of people being like, you're just some silly Tumblr blog. You should leave it to the experts and whatever. Basically, it was all very like rooted in misogyny because it was like, oh, you're a silly woman. Stick to your Tumblr blog was basically what everyone was saying. And I just remember it was so good because they just wrote back. I wrote that paper because the paper <laughs> that this whole discourse was about was literally it was their paper. And everyone is arguing with them in the comments about how you should stick to what you know. And to me, that was that was just a prime, prime internet moment. I think I think one of the common threads that I'm seeing across these examples is like people really love to shut stuff down without mm. engaging in a meaningful way or offering a useful alternative. And it's easy, right? Like it's easier to say no, your idea is terrible and you're like personally a bad person than it is to like learn about an issue and think about real solutions. Yeah, or to and if you're, yeah. to like throw around things like, oh, you know, everyone cares about climate change right now. So like, I'm going to say that this is bad because it would have an impact on the climate when you're ignoring the fact that everything has an impact on the climate, right? Like it's just a, an obsession with sharing the thought that came into your mind, whether you've researched anything to come up with that thought, whether it's based in any sort of fact or experience you've had, people just want to write what they're thinking, even yeah. if it doesn't I help. <laughs> I, I think in a lot of ways, it's also the same kind of mindset that leads people to deny harm reduction strategies, right? Because a lot of the problems we face in the world, and our world is huge, right? It's bigger than it's been at any point in history. We're connected to more people. We're aware of more things. And that means the problems we face are extremely complex, and they often don't have like a simple right answer or a single right answer mm -hmm. right and so instead of engaging with these complex imperfect different ways that we could be doing things it's so much easier to to just be like no i don't care if it's less bad if it's not a perfect clean like one plus one equals two solution i don't like it go away yeah i think that that definitely is an issue I feel like it's a separate issue where, yeah, people just are unhappy with any partial solution, um, even if it is, like, there's no situation where there will ever be a perfect solution. People still refuse, and, and it's it's just they always want to get to this perfect solution. And, yeah, there, there's no perfect solution because everyone's different. Everyone's living a different life. Everyone is going to have different wants and needs and all this different stuff. And people don't seem to ever really take other people's perspectives into account when they are engaging in some, some of this online discourse that, uh, that we're talking about. Yeah, so, so you mentioned a little bit earlier right, that this, this is a problem that we've sort of observed to be getting worse and very connected to the online environments in which we spend quite a lot of our time now. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, what, what do you think are the elements of 
the digital social spaces that we share that that might be contributing to this kind of reaction? Well, I mean, definitely the I, I think the biggest one uh, across things, some of the things that I read, but also just, you know, my degree was in communications. And so we studied this in a lot of our classes, uh, especially our social media class. It's the fact that you can't see the person. I think that really, really, really impacts your ability to have a conversation that leads to something meaningful, which is kind of what discourse is. Like you're, if you're engaging in the discourse, you're trying to learn something and contribute things and benefit from each other, this, this like sharing of information, right? And it's become less of a, I want to share information with my fellow humans and more of a, I need to state my opinions on my anonymous social media platforms so that everyone knows what my opinions are. But there isn't really that interest or effort to kind of learn about other people's opinions or to challenge your own opinions. And so I think that's, that's what I would say from the things that I've read and the things that people kind of proposed in my own experience. I think that that's probably the biggest factor is the, the lack of face-to-face -face seeing each other as another human that you're engaging with. But what do yeah. you, what do you think? If something no, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it, that actually reminds me of, of an XKCD comic, one of, one of the kind of earlier ones, um, where, you know, this, this guy is sitting at his computer, someone's calling, hey, are you coming to bed? And he says, no, I can't. Someone is wrong on the internet. Um, and I think, I think that's very much what it is. Like, instead of a conversation with another person where you're both trying to, like, learn and grow and share, it becomes this game of like one-upsmanship and posturing where mm -hmm. it's, it's not like someone is wrong on the internet and I genuinely want to change their mind. It's someone is wrong on the internet and I need to win. <laughs> I think that's an important uh, difference to point out because there's a lot of valid reasons. Like there's a lot of people saying things online that frankly need to be called out and someone needs to tell them they're wrong but it's the yeah when you approach it from like no matter how wrong that person is if you're approaching it from a hey stupid you have the wrong opinion and here's what mine is they're never gonna listen to you and so is the point of that to just signal to everyone else online i also think this person sucks look at us we all think this person sucks yay or is it hey this person sucks and is harming people how can we talk to this person so that they stop doing this harmful thing or saying this harmful thing and i think because it's not that there's an issue with wanting to engage with someone who is wrong it's yeah like what are you trying to get out of it are you actually trying to help them challenge their opinion or do you just want to make them feel bad because you've decided they're wrong right mm -hmm. and a lot of the time i mean at least with what i've seen it's not even necessarily that someone is doing or saying anything harmful uh or like objectively wrong like i in my in my social media circles, I follow a number of different like 
leftist type of people with, with their own various perspectives on what that means. And these people will argue with each other viciously over what really amounts to like a minor difference in opinion where neither side is clearly more correct than the other. Um, and yep. I, think, I think there's something almost like self-reinforcing about it, right? Where the same way kids, if they're not getting positive attention, will like cause trouble to get negative attention. <laughs> I, think, I think that's part of what people on the internet are doing, right? Like if you're loud and annoying and like going out of your way to, to troll people is what it amounts to, then you're going to get that feedback and like people engaging with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the fact that you brought up trolling, like there's obviously people who know what they're doing, like they're intentionally going into a conversation to re wreak havoc. And I, I mean, we're not really here to talk about that because that could be its own whole episode, but whether that is helpful or harmful or neither to society, but I think more just focusing on the people who like kind of don't understand, like they, they actually feel like they're accomplishing something and bettering society or, or helping someone out by just, just, just telling them they're wrong over and over again and not really getting anywhere with it. Um, and it's, it's just, an, it's just a sad state because the whole reason that social media and the internet was sold to us and what the promises of it were was that we would be able to connect with more people share more opinions uh get to you know grow as the human uh, population in terms of knowledge sharing and that is just it does not seem to be fulfilling those promises at all <laughs> yeah i think i think part of it is like a social norms thing and the way that the norms of online spaces have shifted since the earlier days of the internet. Um, like, I, I was never on, like, Usenet or anything like that. But when I was younger, I spent a fair amount of time on web forums. And there were kind of... <laughs> yeah, best days of my life. Uh, but, but there were kind of these established, almost, like, cultural, customary ways of behaving right like don't feed the trolls mm -hmm. you know you you notice someone who's acting in a way just to like annoy people and get that negative attention and you don't engage and they go away um, exactly and i think i think that as the people in these spaces have shifted away from like maybe more dedicated internet users and more toward everyone in the whole wide world um and and what people are trying to get out of the internet has changed. Yeah, I see, I see a lot more of what you're talking about with the well-meaning, like, if I, if I genuinely argue that people wearing leather harnesses should not be allowed at pride parades, that's like accomplishing something good in the world type of, type of people. And no sense of like yeah. when to just not engage. Well, and, and some of that stuff that you're actually kind of getting into a few of the, the things that I uh, have planned for us uh, when we come back from our intermission. Um, so I'll, we'll come back to those later. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that um, the, a great example is one of the few places where I would say that 
it has not completely fallen apart, the ability for there to be actual productive conversations that lead somewhere um, is Wikipedia with Wikipedia editors. And you see that they're sometimes incredibly viciously fighting over where a comma should go or if a topic deserves deserves its own subpage or a heading. But then at the end of the day, like, they all, like, love each other. Like, anyone who is a Wikipedia editor who meets another Wikipedia editor, like, the, the bond that they share just from both being in that community. Um, and, and I think that, like you were saying, there used to be way more places on the internet where that was how things operated. Like, people saw each other as a community that there was... There were rules, like, don't feed the trolls. Like, on Wikipedia, there's millions of rules about, you know, what kinds of comments and stuff, like, will get you deleted or removed from being an editor. Um, And I think the only other place that I can kind of think of that is even close to similar would be Reddit. But it has obviously, I, I think that even it even though it's set up in the same kind of way that you're talking about, like it makes this community dedicated to a specific topic, like that's what subreddits are for. Even with that setup, it's, I think even it's lost the ability to have, you know, meaningful conversations and knowledge sharing that doesn't devolve into either like joking, meaningless stuff. Like the number of times that I'll open up a Reddit thread and it's just like, someone the top comment is like f in chat and then there's just like 500 f's <laughs> as replies and you have to scroll past them all or minimize them <laughs> to get to an actual answer or there's trolls with wrong information or just being a nuisance um and it's it's really disappointing because i i look back on those days of the internet obviously you know uh what what is it rose rose colored glasses like there were problems for sure but in terms of the ability to kind of interact with others and share share ideas and connect over things, I think that we have lost that for sure in the internet of the 2020s. What you're saying actually is really making me think as well about having a common purpose, right? Because I think definitely, I've, I've spent limited time on Reddit, but some subreddits are are broader based than others, right? Like a subreddit for a city, there's no, there's no like driving goal there. Whereas- Yeah, or like r slash funny. It's like, okay, this is anything anyone finds funny. Whereas you could make a subreddit for people who make muffins. And that is the only thing that'll get discussed in there. The best recipes for muffin making or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and like when when I've posted questions, actually on baking subreddits specifically being like hey there's this like person with this dietary restriction that i'm trying to make something for and i need ideas how can i whatever like people are really like kind and helpful and that's like anecdotal right it's not it's not data but i think i think what i'm getting i think it's a useful is, anecdote yeah is the the communities maybe with with more of a reason to exist for people to like self-select into the community 
and with a solid structure of rules and norms, like that's a that's a good way to have good discourse happening on the internet. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that 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 is what it kind of comes down to. And again, this could be its own topic. And it was, in fact, an entire class that I took in my degree. But the way that like the, the structure of internet sites today, like Twitter, well, not Twitter, but I'm not going to call it the other thing, or Facebook, Instagram, whatever, they're not really meant to build a community. They're meant to sell you crap. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, like Yahoo Answers, as, as silly of an example that is, like that was very explicitly, like you had something that you wanted help with and someone's people are going to give you answers. Um, whereas, you know, like you log into Instagram and there isn't a reason other than I wanted to log into my Instagram today. Like it's, it's become so, um, disconnected from what, like, yeah, like there's just no purpose. And so without that purpose to kind of unite people, there's less connection if there's less connection, that leads to less people wanting to have proper and real conversations because if you have nothing in common with all these people that you're interacting with online, like why should you listen to their opinions? Whereas if you're yeah. if you know you're in a group with a bunch of bakers, then of course you're like, oh, well, I want their opinions on my baking because these are all people who know stuff about it. So I definitely think yeah, you're so, right that that is, is kind of what the underlying issue uh, or what it stems from. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to talk about there, right, with in particular like the big social media sites and why they are the way they are um, and how their construction sort of drives this, this online toxicity. Um, and, and that's what we're going to be getting into right after our fun new break that uh, that now we have coming back as a more fully realized podcast. Yes. So instead of kind of just hitting record and seeing what happens like we did for our first two seasons, <laughs> you might have noticed we had a little bit more of an official intro there. And so we'll head into our intermission and we'll be back right after that little game with uh, some a little bit of a deep dive into some of those things that we were just talking about. Welcome, everyone, to the world's newest and most critically acclaimed game show without a title. Um, we've decided that we want to break up the podcast episodes now with just a little bit of a game or activity that relates to kind of what we were talking about. So today, you are going to be hearing two truths and a lie from each of us. And, and uh, feel free to play along, see if you can guess, you know, which ones are the truths, which, uh, which one's the lie. Because who knows, maybe, maybe you know David and Alex a little bit better than you thought. My first of my three statements is um one time i got into a nine day long argument with 
the campus conservatives um, at our university um, about many different issues. It lasted nine days. Um, the second point is that I started an argument in the comment section of a uh, Hank Green TikTok because the discourse was infuriating to me. And the third one is that I participated in a conversation on Tumblr that just went way out of control talking about pride parades and what was allowed and what 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 should not be allowed so i'm i'm gonna guess that the lie is the hank green tiktok one okay okay why why do you think that that is uh, not a, a discourse situation that i would engage in it's not that i don't think you would engage in it it's just that the the other ones for me, click a little bit more as like, oh yeah, David would absolutely have have done this, and I I could be wrong, but uh, did I did I guess it? So this is the audience's chance to lock it in. Um, before I confirm or deny how much you know about me, and I'm I'm sad to say that you are wrong. Oh man, I hope we can still be friends. I don't know. This might be a deal breaker for me. But yeah, I did, in fact, start an argument in the comment section of a Hank Green TikTok. Um, And I did, in fact, the other one that was true was the campus conservatives. I have always done my best to stay clear of those (laughs) what is appropriate at Pride conversations because I don't have the energy for those. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I see your logic and it makes sense. I intentionally picked a lie that would seem very on brand. So glad that I managed to trick you there. Trickery and deception. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to like stick within Tumblr for these because that is where I do my discoursing. Um, and so my, my three things that I have to offer are number one, that I have lied on Tumblr about what my degree is in to seem more authoritative when disagreeing with someone about something that like I know is right, but I want people to believe me. Um, number two, number two, that my pinned post on my Tumblr feed is like an inflammatory buzzwordy discourse post. And number three, that I have gotten in back and forth like wars with people who believe that like if you've ever let a cat outside even once in your life you're personally responsible for the entire genocide of the bird population in the world okay so this is a little stressful because this is gonna also be a referendum on how much i pay attention to your blog because i do not have any idea what your pinned post is but (laughs) that one feels like the lie so i'm gonna go with that one 
I because I definitely think you would have the third one screams you. The first one I could definitely see you doing. So I'm going to go with the second one was the lie. You do not have a pinned post with discourse in it. Unfortunately, uh, it, it seems that we're both complete strangers to each other. Oh, um, no, that's not what you want to hear. Well, now that we've established that we are strangers to each other and don't really uh, know what uh, the other is up to, um, I think that's a, a good place to leave it. Uh, maybe the audience knew us better than we knew each other. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, um, we, we are aware that, you know, we have not always been perfect discoursers ourselves. We'll admit that. But uh, we hope that, uh, that you won't cancel us for our internet sins. Yes, we beg forgiveness. And with that, we will hop right back into our fascinating discussion about discussions. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that fun little game. Um, we're hoping to kind of just intersperse some fun little activities throughout our um, podcast that kind of build on what we've been talking about. If you have any ideas, feel free to let us know. But um, in the meantime, we're going to dive right back into talking about algorithms and how the the current sort of setup and structure of the internet and social media is kind of contributing to that decline of of discourse that we were talking about before the break yeah so algorithm is like a big a big word in the the modern discourse like people love to talk about the algorithm Mm -hmm. Um, capital t capital a the algorithm everyone loves that (laughs) <laughs> the algorithm. Um, and, and for those of you who, who may have missed this, who are living under a rock somewhere, um, what, what this refers to is that like pretty much every social media site by this point has some kind of a like digital process for how to decide what posts to put in front of you. So if you're on your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, um, Twitter, may it never be known by any other name. Um, I mean, even, even Tumblr, which is where I spend a lot of my time uh, and which has for a long time been very proud of its like purely chronological dashboard. Well, and even um, things that aren't social media, like Google, your Google search results are being there's an algorithm that is deciding which ones to show you. Yeah. So these algorithms basically attach to a personal profile that's created for you on the site, whether that's your account that you're logged into or uh, information that's stored about you through, through web cookies. Gotta love those cookies. Gotta love those cookies. They're, they're the least fun kind of cookies to eat. I discovered after chipping my teeth on a circuit board. Um, yeah, that'll that happen. happen. <laughs> um, really? You didn't try to eat your computer? It said cookies. <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you expect? Um, but, but so from all this information that the website collects about you and attaches to identifiers of like when you're online, 
it decides what to put in front of you. And the big question is like, what is it trying to accomplish by that? Uh, and it would be a really nice user experience if what they were trying to accomplish was to like, leave you feeling satisfied and personally fulfilled and like a slightly better person at the end of every four hour TikTok binge or whatever. Uh, but unfortunately, that is, that is not the case. Wait, so, Alex, you're telling me that these giant corporations don't have our best interests at, at heart? I think it really all started going downhill when Google took don't be evil out of their um, like mission statement. Whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. How is that not? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, obviously I, all things that are like mission statements, whatever, they're all corporate nonsense and don't really mean that much anyway, but that's... That's a wild... I, I'm surprised I've never like even seen a headline that says something like that, because that's a great headline. <laughs> oh, I, I think this happened like almost two decades ago. Oh, okay. But by this point, yeah. So we were babies. No longer, no longer in the news cycle. Um, but so I, I did a little bit of research for this episode, and I found an MIT Technology Review article written by Katie Notopoulos um, talking about what's wrong with the internet and how to fix it. And the basic issue she identifies is, you know, like you said, David, these giant corporations wanna make money. And the way they make money off social media users is through advertising revenue, right? So you're scrolling through whatever you're scrolling and you see ads and the companies showing you those ads get money if you click. So they have a lot of vested interest in showing you lots of ads for the, men, like the most potential clicks possible and showing you ads that are the most closely targeted to what you're likely to click on. Um, and, and in order, yeah. So I was just gonna say, and just to reinforce the, the, the bad nature of them, because what you just described is not that doesn't inherently have to be bad. They're like, oh, we're trying to put things that you're most likely to click on. Like, oh, they're just trying to help me find things I want to buy. That like that might be what you might think, but there have been studies and I believe it was a court case. I don't remember exactly what the outcome was, like it, I, but I know that they, like they either settled or they lost and then had to pay out money. I don't remember how they got to it. But Facebook many, many years ago, like I think before Instagram was even created, they were found to be intentionally putting uh, users through tests where they would do things like, okay, let's give this user like only happy, inspiring content for a day and see what happens with their habits. And then let's give these people depressing stuff for a day and see what happens. And they found that the more sad or anger-inducing things that they forced into your algorithm um, which is supposed to be showing you, like you said, stuff that you want to see, it actually made you more likely to spend money. And so they would then intentionally try and make people depressed so that they would spend more money on things to like fix their depression. Um, and so that's, that's just kind of a, an inside look that, cause that's one of the only, um, kind of situations that there's full documentation on because it was a, a court case. 
Um, that's an inside look into what the companies are actually doing when they have this information on us. They are not trying to find like, oh, this person would probably like loves cooking. So let's make sure we put cooking utensils and supplies in their feed. Like it's not as simple or as uh, innocent as we're kind of led to believe that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really had something to say there. It's, it's a real problem. Um, and, and I think there's like, even beyond how to make people feel like they want to spend money, there's just the question of time, right? Like the more time you spend scrolling, the more ads, the social media platform can put in front of your eyes. Time is um, money. And it turns out both of those things get, get enhanced, uh, if, if that's a word for it, by content that, as, as you said, David, makes you depressed, makes you angry, um, makes you feel bad about yourself and the world. You know, like it's very well documented that Instagram, for example, has huge negative effects on people's body image. Uh, and this has been, I think, especially documented in, like, adolescent girls. And that's, firstly, a way to keep you online for longer. And secondly, a way to make you feel like you need to buy things to fix yourself and fix your life so you can live up to the standard of your Instagram feed. Yep, and I like um, the fact that you mentioned that it... it it's not that it created the issue, it's just that it makes it so much worse. Like, obviously, issues of body image would be a thing with or without the internet, but the internet provides such, um, and especially, like, I think, because this is what the topic is, right? Like, the, the discourse on the internet especially, it's people are incentivized. Like, I, I think back to how many like pro eating disorder Tumblr accounts there used to be. And now there's that, like, it's the same issue on TikTok. Like there's people, the, the, the girl dinner trend, which was like on one hand, ah, oh, lighthearted, like, haha, you throw together a meal that's bad because you don't have the time. But there's a lot more to it. Like there's a lot of underlying things that when people are having these conversations on the internet make those societal issues that would exist either way, they make them so much worse because of how hard it is to have good discourse about these things on the internet. Yeah, so we, we understand a little bit now, like what's up with the algorithm or in fact the, the multiplicity of algorithms, um, why are they incentivized to make the internet worse? All of these things, but yeah, as, as you're saying, David, these issues don't come from those social media uh, platforms. And there's something in us and in the way that we communicate that, that makes us susceptible to being pulled into these like toxic communities or mindsets or, or whatever it is. Um, and so we've, we've talked a little bit a little bit already about the effect of anonymity and maybe like reinforcement 
of, of this behavior. But I'm sure there's more to it than like what we just briefly touched on, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the entire, um, the entire way that, okay, I guess here's how I, here's the best way I think that I can put it. Like the way that we are meant to engage with each other about topics, you know, have discourse. There's just nowhere on the internet where that can happen. Um, with the same kind of effectiveness and like intentionality and, and all that sort of stuff as an in-person interaction can have. And I think that on one hand that like, that's not a problem because we don't need, like we can keep having conversations and stuff in person. Like the internet doesn't need to be a place where we have discourse, but the problem is, that that's the main thing that the internet is kind of sold to us as like there's you know the whole there's this concept in kind of like communication studies of uh, like grand narratives which are things that everyone usually like like the average person kind of buys into without realizing a lot of the time and so a way that i can kind of illustrate it is um uh, a recent example from Canadian politics was the, uh, I believe it was, I, it was federal NDP. Uh, they put out some statement or something about how Loblaws shouldn't reverse their price cuts on like expiring food. I guess Loblaws had a program or an initiative where they were, uh, if food was expiring within a day or two, it was 50% off. And they were like, they yeah. were, they were going to take that percentage. They were going to take that discount away or whatever. And the NDP, I was, think, I think they were rolling it down to 30%. Yeah. And the NDP was, you know, arguing like, you shouldn't do that. Um, you should keep the 50% discount. And the, the grand narrative there is that they've, that the, the NDP has accidentally kind of already affirmed and bought into by making that argument is that food should not be free, right? Like, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a similar thing in, in this situation. Like, people are arguing, like, oh, should the internet be a better place for discourse? Like, how can we make it better? I think that the ultimate conversation needs to kind of take a step back and be like, first of all, we need to decide, like, do we actually want the internet to be used for discourse? And personally, I do think that it it, it would be good to use it in a, in a perfect world. But that's just the example of like this, this grand narrative that everyone kind of accepts that, oh yeah, like the internet is for us to like connect with others and to um, share these ideas to have, have discourse. And by accepting that, as true without examining it or questioning like is it actually a good place for discourse um i think that is kind of the bigger issue of of discourse on the internet is that everyone is told that it is this is what the internet is for but in its current state that's a lie 
it is not meant for that. It is not built to bring people together. It is currently built to keep people very divided, actually. Um, like, we didn't really go into it, but the ultimate effect of algorithms is that people end up in their echo chambers. They don't see the other sides that might be out there on, on a given topic, or they're yeah, getting, like, uh... the worst of the other side so that it reaffirms that they're on the right side. And That's um, what's called um, filter bubbles, right? That, that these algorithmic filters stop content that you're not already agreeing with from ever reaching you. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so, I mean, I think that that's, that's a, the big issue that, that people kind of need to keep in mind is that you need to remember that the internet was sold to us by the people who created it as this beautiful place where we'll all be able to share ideas and come together while those same people were actively building an internet that would not achieve those goals. Right? And, and there so wasn't always this this overarching consensus about the internet being a place for information sharing for like every single member of the general public. No, uh, in its yeah. early days. Yeah, like the people on the internet were I think it was originally military software that then kind of expanded to academics and, you know, people at universities having access to Usenets. And and I think while there was an ethos of like freedom of information and being able to share and learn, there was also, to, to my understanding, like quite an aversion to the general public ever being allowed into that space. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so, so this is, as you're saying, very much a created narrative about what the internet is, and it hasn't always been, you know, the story that we're familiar with today. A hundred percent. Like, it is, it, it is an effect of the commercialization of the internet. They needed to be able to, you know, like, they're coming out with this new technology. It's really only been used by the military and a few, you know, intellectuals in universities who have had the resources to set up a server or whatever if you're trying to sell that to the general public, like you need a sales pitch. And so their sales pitch was, hey, let's all come together and enjoy the benefits of sharing our ideas online, global community, yay, yay, yay. And that was like, the, the problem is that, and I mean, this is my opinion, they would probably disagree. Um, I'm sure that Mark Zuckerberg would uh, argue that the internet is still achieving its its goal that they've promised, but it, it was Mark a lie. Zuckerberg, loyal loyal listener of caring too much, as we all know. Yeah, shout out Mark. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like like yeah. it's a lie, and everything that kind of everyone expects or knows about the internet is based on that lie because that's kind of the foundation of the internet is everyone thinks that it's supposed to be this great tool to connect us, share ideas when it is not a tool that is built to do that at the moment. And so that really affects like all these people are coming to the internet to have meaningful discourse. And yes, on one hand, like it's not their fault because the internet is not set up to enable that, but 
at a certain point, we do need to take that step back and be like, no, it is our fault because we're going to a place. Like if you're logging onto facebook.com to change the world, like you've already taken the wrong step, go run for council or something. Don't log into Facebook to comment on your second cousin's post about how pride parades are bad or whatever. Like, you know, like that's not, Yeah, and and I think we also need to kind of push back against this sense of unaccountability that comes from hiding behind an online profile, right? And recognize that even though it's really easy to say something very nasty on the internet, like it's you're not doing a good thing, and and I think that. While this isn't primarily an individual problem, like there's this whole massive structural element, we should also recognize as individuals that even on the internet, it's not nice to be horrible to people. Uh, And in general, we should prevent ourselves from doing that. No, I mean, I think it, yeah, it it goes both ways. Like we we can know that the internet and the systems that be or whatever are actively trying to make discourse difficult you know effective and productive discourse difficult but we also are still you know we're autonomous humans at the end of the day who can control like what we're commenting what we're posting what we're doing and as and I mean I think uh some of our examples from the the game will show that you know it's not no one's above this everyone has had a moment on the internet where they're like I don't care if I'm changing this person's mind I just want to make sure they know that I hate them right like and you know you'll have those moments in person too right like you deal with a if you're in a customer service role I'm sure you've had a customer that you're like this is going to make my day worse but I need to tell you that you suck <laughs> right like those, those that's a, a it's a part of being human but it's gotten so much worse because it's so encouraged because it keeps people online longer if they can get you to come onto their site to fight people for hours and hours that's they love that because you're getting ads and they're making ad money for every minute that you're spending fighting some person in the comments who doesn't even have a profile picture or a real name attached to them <laughs> Yeah. So I think I think kind of what I'm hearing here, which which really lines up with what I saw when I was doing my research, is that the the, the kinds of ways we can start solving this are are broadly either institutional or personal. Um, And the personal factors are easier for any one of us who isn't Mark Zuckerberg to to do something about. Right, like we, the caring too much team, unfortunately can't snap our fingers and like change the way that social media is constituted to make it a, a more friendly and uplifting place. But that doesn't mean it's not worth thinking about. And, and it's not beyond the realm of imagination, right? That the internet could someday be meaningfully regulated in a way that stops massive corporations from taking advantage of people's drive to find community and drive for knowledge and connection and all of these things in order to like 
make them depressed so that they spend all of their time <laughs> online and spend money to generate ad revenue, right? Like, like we could build things in a way that prevents that. Well, not um, only that we could, we used to, right? Like that was the internet at the start was built like you were talking about there used to be forums where it would gather like-minded communities like it it is totally possible for that promise that they say the internet's going to bring us it is a possible thing it's just the fact that they did not try to actually deliver on that promise the only promise that the corporations cared about was oh we're going to make money off of all these internet users um, yeah. and so I think that, like you said, like there's, there's things that everyone can do and it's like any big, you know, societal issue, like everyone plays a part, but at the end of the day, we all, you know, like take some comfort in the fact that like, if you're finding it, for example, if you're like, if you've been logging onto the internet to get back to those good old days of where you used to be in a great forum with people who would have inspiring ideas and great conversations like if you're logging into the internet and you're unable to find that and you keep failing like in that sense like know that it's not your fault but also there are definitely things that you can do like if you are logging in and only ever commenting on videos or articles that you hate to tell them how much you hate what they said like Fixing that will probably lead to an improvement. It's not going to fix the whole issue, but if you stop engaging purely out of spite or anger, um, you know, like that would be a step to at least getting out of the most kind of toxic situations that the internet um, encourages and enables. Yeah, and not to not to not to toot our own horn too much, but I think that this is a good example of like good and productive discourse, right? Acknowledging that a problem is complex and that there's more than one moving piece, but but still being able to talk about, you know, yeah, the institutional structural solutions would do more, and this is maybe. I mean, we haven't talked much about what they would look like, but we can start imagining what they would look like doing all of that. And we can discuss what we as individuals can do right now to contribute to a better online culture. And it's, we can acknowledge both of those things without like one having to cancel out the other. A hundred percent. You, you saying that, um, just, brought me the image of that one uh, meme or comic or whatever it is where um, that person says, oh, you are criticizing capitalism, yet you purchase things? Interesting. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a similar situation where it's like, yeah, you know, like, if we completely overthrew all of the people who currently run, you know, the giant tech companies and built something from scratch from the ground up that was properly you know uh deregulated and not controlled by all these corporate interests like yeah that would be the best possible solution but while we work towards that because that takes a while to get to there are still these actions that we can take to you know like i mean just i mean i would say just don't even log into twitter these days 
or whatever they call it because nothing no beneficial conversations are happening on there anymore right like it's there's there's no point in engaging in the worst actions just because the situation sucks like it's you know there's uh some level that we all can play in putting an end to the way that we all interact with each other online and and i mean again like, like like we said in the game like no one's above this everyone has their moments um and and it's like you know after you have that moment maybe apologize like if you know and I, i've done that a couple times it feels really bad but even like i've had it happen to me where i'm having a debate with someone or whatever online and they say something and then the next day they reply back like i'm sorry i was just really heated i didn't mean that and it's like that feels really nice so even just those tiny little things if you if you mess up because the internet is currently set up to kind of create awful interactions between people who disagree at the very least recognizing after it happens like oh that was i was goaded into that because of you know the algorithm made sure to get me angry that day or whatever like just making sure that we kind of recognize when our emotions are being played with uh to yeah to achieve these higher profits for some company um i think that's yeah important. like i know i know i'm not going to be i mean i logged out of twitter long ago but i'm not i'm not going to be logging out of my beloved tumblr feed anytime soon but after having this conversation, I think that I will be more aware. You know, if I'm if I'm wondering, should I write a vitriolic reply to someone's post <laughs> about about the reasons for that and the real world consequences of that? Um, and this is one of those things. Like the more I've thought about it, similarly to what you said about being willing to apologize to people. I, I like to think that I've shifted my behavior since, since some of the things that we talked about during the game. And I'm going to keep trying to be a better citizen of the web. And I hope all of y'all listening will, you know, do, do your own little part to do the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and as we're, we're kind of going and I think we're, we're reaching near the end of our allotted time for this, uh, episode, um, and we're kind of going into the, you know, tangible things that can be done and, you know, and whether that is like I suggested, like sending someone that you argued with an apology after you calm down and realize that it wasn't that big of a deal might brighten their day. They might ignore it, but either way, at least, you know, you did something nice I think other things that people can definitely do is like, yeah, I would say, and I try to do this every couple months, but like I do a social media audit or whatever you want to call it. And I just look through all of the things that I kind of spend time on. And I'm like, is this actually contributing something to my life that I want in my life? And unfortunately for me, I'm I work in communications, so sometimes the answer is no, but I need to for my job. You know, I can't delete Instagram from my phone <laughs> as much as I want to. Um, but even just knowing that, like, I don't open up Instagram when I'm at home pretty much. Like, if I, uh, like, I use it at work and then 
I don't open it at home. And so even just knowing those sorts of things, I, I think can be really helpful because it's kind of like, I, I think we alluded it, alluded to it a bit earlier, but it's just kind of like a thing that everyone does. Like you log into all your social media accounts when you're bored and it's like, what are you actually getting out of that? Are you getting, like, are you connecting with people? Are you feeling like your life is being enriched by it? If it's not, cut it out. You don't have to permanently delete your account because things could change, but delete it from your phone, delete the app, check back in a month or two and be like, am I happier with or without it? And I think that can be a big step that people can take to kind of free themselves from this never-ending cycle of being stuck online and then, you know, you end up just falling back into the same kind of things over and over again. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I have had a really good time being back, David. It, uh, it's really nice to be doing our own little you know, one-on-one discoursing again. Um, And we have some super cool things planned for this upcoming season. And that Um, is in our unbiased opinion. Yeah, perfectly objective commentators over here. Yeah, coolest podcast season that has ever been conceived and produced uh, coming your way right here, wherever you're listening to this now. (laughs) (laughs) so uh stay tuned while that's gonna be dropping and thank you to everyone who's listening uh we hope that you've had as good of a time listening to this as we have had making it what what they said i don't have anything else to add (laughs) (laughs) see it's this is about knowing when you don't have anything else to contribute to the discourse alex gave us a perfect sign off So we'll see you next time. (laughs) See you next time.